The Bucks were shorthanded in Miami, potentially as expected on a back-to-back. And uh, what do you do when you got no Giannis, no Chris Milton, and no Joe Ingles? Lack of facilitation? You just try and shoot your way to a victory. And for the most part, the Bucks hit their threes, and they did a pretty good job. But ultimately, they fell just short in a game that maybe was more competitive than I thought it could have been. But we're going to break it down. Uh, and of course, look ahead to the second game in Miami coming up on the weekend. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks fall just short in Miami, 108 to 102, we're going to break this game down. But first of all, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every single day. I was hoping we would have another winning podcast post game show to do, but it's not quite the case. But we're going live either way. So subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on your audio platform. Uh, We really appreciate it and get involved in the conversation. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. So, Frank, you've said this before. We've discussed it before. The offensive strategy can probably be predicted entering a game where you've got no Giannis, no Chris. And I mentioned Joe just because he has been one of the facilitators in, in recent games here. Uh, the Bucks were going to let it fly. They attempt around 38 three-point shots per game on the season. Today, they get up 57. They actually knock down 22. And you get 15 three-point makes between Jordan War, Javon Carter, and AJ Green. Just by those numbers alone, you have to say, well, the offensive plan may have, may have, may have worked. Unfortunately, they weren't able to slow the heat down, particularly in the second half, as it felt that the Bucks were just barely hanging on. Yeah, I mean, this was a below... It was actually a below-average game from the Miami Heat overall in terms of offense. Uh, but the Bucks accomplished the seemingly impossible task of hitting, you know... Was it 22? For some reason, I thought it was 21, but... yeah, 22 21, for 57. 22 threes, and you score 102 points, yeah. which tells you that they didn't do other than well jack threes and i was just looking at the the shot chart and i mean the heat you know are a team that has frustrated Giannis a lot over the years and prevented him from getting to the rim where he wants to be and tonight can you guess how many shots the bucks took in the restricted area tonight total shots uh so 57 of their 87 shot attempts were three so i'm gonna i'm gonna say 14 they were one for two. <laughs> How is that possible? That's like hilarious. How is that even possible? I can't even think what was the make. I should be able to remember this momentous occasion of the Bucks getting a basket. Uh, basket it, was, it was probably that Bobby Portis alley-oop off the inbound where like they just right, didn't cover right. him and he kind of ran on the rim and, and laid it in. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I mean, granted that, you know, there's like some, it's probably a little bit of judgment, right. in some of these, cause these, yeah. these are not like tracking stats live. Um, but I, I have never seen like a number like that is just kind of mind boggling uh, to be one for two at the rim um, <laughs> for an entire game is just crazy. Uh, <laughs> 50, 50 percent, Frank could be worse. Yeah, um, they were in the zeroth, the zeroth. Is that is that the way to say it? Percentile on cleaning the glass in terms of um, uh, in terms of frequency of shots at the rim, and they were in the fourth percentile in terms of accuracy because they were fifty percent, which is horrible as well. Right. Um, Miami was only in the third percentile because they, they only had seventeen percent of their shots in the rim, and they were only six of eleven. So, you know. Brooke Lopez offensively looked very tired and looked like a guy that is 34 and playing on the second night of the back-to-back. He just didn't have anything offensively tonight, um, which we'll forgive given how good he was last night. Uh, but, you know, they he protected the rim pretty well. I mean, hell, even Bobby Portis, like, got a couple of stops at the rim. Like, Victor Oladipo, bad sign for Victor Oladipo that he couldn't score on Bobby Portis at the rim. Bobby yeah. had, like, a block at the rim. It was like, man, what's going on? Mamu had a stop contest at the rim. It was like, man, the... Heat are not exactly lighting the world on fire, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the Bucks just, it was really just three pointer bust, which like you said, I mean, if you told us before the game, you'd go see them go 22 at 57 from three and Miami would not really have a big offensive night. You would have said, wow, that bodes really well, but you know, in spite of the shooting and also they actually did better than the heat in terms of turnovers. They only had 11 turnovers, right? 11 or 12 turnovers. Heat had, I think one or two more, Bucks had, I think, 10 steals. They had very active hands, especially in that first half. Um, felt like, how many steals did Javon Carter end up having? It felt like he had, like, five steals or something like that. I don't think he Three. did. But, um, but, yeah, they were able to get out, and Javon Carter shot in that unbelievable he was 6 of 14, just, just gunning all night. I think he was probably really happy that Giannis wasn't playing because he had no obligation to pass to anyone in transition. He could just dribble it up. <laughs> and shoot those pull-up transition threes, which uh, we've seen him uh, show a proclivity for uh, previously, and he really got into it tonight. So, um, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, silver linings go, I mean, the bench scoring was pretty wild, right? They, I think they had like 51 points or something like that, scoring off the bench. Um, and Drew Holiday was really good, 7 out of 10, I think 24 points. And he, did he get the double-digit assists? I think he did. Uh, so Brooke or, or Drew, you know, after a really good game last night comes through again. So you had a lot of the kind of like, you know, raw materials of what you think you would need to win a game like this, even without Giannis, Chris, Joe Ingles, um, Grayson Allen also out with the sprained ankle, but, um, you know, you literally did nothing else <laughs> at all, all night. And, um, again, it just felt like, the Bucks, they had that 15 point lead early. Everything seemed to be going their way, but it was really, again, it was just sort of the mirage of, of outlier shooting. And we saw it against the Hawks as well. I mean, they had the big lead, but it was purely because they were hitting a bunch of threes. They weren't doing anything else inside last night in Atlanta either. I shouldn't say that, but they, they were, you know, they had a huge volume of, of shots inside last night compared to what they did tonight. Tonight was yes. comical um, in terms of the lack of, of paint attacks and, Again, some of that, I mean, the Heat play the most like zone defense of like any team in history. And we saw a bit of that in the first half and second half. Um, so obviously the Bucks probably would have felt like, hey, great, play more zone defense. Let us jack up more open threes. We're not even going to try to attack 
the rim in those types of scenarios. But, um, but yeah, I mean, again, not a, not, not a game we will remember uh, two weeks from now, let alone uh, two months from now. So kind of feels like one of these games where, um, where you kind of just say, all right, moving on. And now you just have to hope that you can get the second game of the two games set on Saturday with Giannis presumably back. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to expect Chris Middleton to play, but who knows? Who knows? In theory, he, I, I still don't really fully understand the mechanics of it. Chris, the Nassus and Wes were quote unquote sent down to the herd today while they were in Miami, which usually means that the herd come and practice with, you know, basically they give some bodies in the herd practice with some of the Bucks veterans to get them some, some practice time. Um, the herd playing in Cleveland tomorrow night. So like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Like normally when it's, it's, we're talking about like home scenarios, right. Where they can just shoot down from, from Oshkosh. Did they jump on a plane and fly to Miami as a fun little field trip? Just, just so they could get Chris some, some game action. I have no idea what that means, but, um, but certainly not a bad sign as far as Chris continuing to work his way back. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I'm not sure what to expect about this game on the weekend, particularly being an afternoon game. We've discussed that schedule stuff. Even Marcus Johnson sounded very excited about the fact that he's going to be able to spend at least the next 36-ish hours uh, in Miami in, uh, in winter in Wisconsin. So I'm sure they'll get some sun tomorrow. Uh, but I do want to ask you, uh, more about probably Miami. They're they're in a fascinating spot as well. We did our trade deadline uh, podcast last week, but Miami just a, a curious franchise to me and kind of rivals. The Bucks obviously played them a lot in the postseason. So I want to ask you about that after I talk about our friends at LinkedIn Jobs because as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the three-point shot. No, it depends on team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have skills, values, experiences to help you achieve those goals that you're after. So you can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find those qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free at terms and conditions apply. Uh, firstly, before we entirely move on from this game and look a little more big picture, and it's not going to surprise anyone listening to this podcast. I don't think anyone uh, was desperate for this. March on Bochamp, a rough night. Now, he's yeah. obviously a a rookie. I'm not telling anyone they, anything they don't know there when I say that, but... It's interesting, the back-to-back stuff with him. We've seen him have some pretty nice moments recently, Frank, but eh, nothing really seemed to happen for him. Obviously, the shot wasn't there, even though he only took three shots, 0 for 2 from 3 on this one. But even when he tried to put the ball on the floor, it didn't quite work out as well as what we've seen in the last week. And let's face it, certainly in my opinion, he's had a great couple of weeks here, uh, but this was a tough one on a back-to-back in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a spell... Was it in the second or the third quarter? At third, third quarter, I think, where I think he got a steal and he starts driving on the floor. At I don't know if it was Gabe Vincent or it was one v one, and he like set himself up for like the most awkward spin move and just lost the ball. And it was just like uh, it was it was ugly. And then compounds it by taking a quick shot, misses it. I think I don't know if it was the next possession or the possession after, um, and then just lets a guy blow by him. I mean, it was it was a bad 
bad night. Um, I, again, I think the only positive thing he did was get that steal, which he immediately <laughs> turned over. So it was just, a you know, the only guy who didn't score a point tonight. And, and again, I mean, this is kind of what you hope is that as guys get more experience, like they smooth out the kind of peaks and valleys or well, the peaks, you don't have to smooth out, but the valleys at least, right? Like mm-hmm. you cut down on some of these really bad games. I just think back to early in the season, I think it was after the, uh, the Oklahoma city game where he, you know, has the big scoring night and that, that big win. And then the next, I think three or four games, he goes like one for 12 combined. And he was just really bad. Right. Had a kind of chance to try to build on that a little bit as the bucks were dinged up and, you know, needed guys to get minutes and just, just kind of didn't, you know, and then, then basically he kind of fell out of the rotation thereafter. Um, so, I, I mean, again, like we'll, we'll see. I, um, I don't know how long he can stay in the rotation. I think if Grayson Allen is, is out for, you know, another couple of games or something with this sprained ankle, we haven't really heard any you know, clarity on, on how long he might be out, but you know, normal humans not, un, you know, who are not Giannis usually miss at least, you know, a few days with, with turned ankles. So, um, you know, I'm guessing we'll, we'll continue to see a little bit more of him this weekend. So again, you just get back on the horse and hope that uh, you stay aggressive and don't let, you know, a bad game like tonight kind of ruin it. Um, so Anyway, but do we I do we want to talk a little give some shine to AJ Green as well? I mean, it's career high in scoring for him tonight. Yeah. Just kind of obviously he was part of the three point bomb brigade. And uh yeah, I mean, it's kind of those things like he's you know, defensively he he obviously I think has limitations. Um but I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he's usually in the right spot. It's just, you know, again, the kind of lack of physicality and athleticism that that ultimately does him in, but um you know, it's like, like Marjan's probably the worst guy on the team at getting over screen. Well, Giannis is the worst guy at getting over screens on the team, but among kind of like the wing sized guys, um, I'd say Marjan's probably the worst at getting over screens. And I, I kind of wonder if like part of the reason why Bud has him defending smaller guys so much is, is in order to just like force him to have to like get reps and practice and just get better at it. Um, but you know, that's kind of just like one of those things like AJ green, like, you know, he just works at it just, kind of does what he can and there will always be some of those limitations, but um, the guy can shoot. And I think he came to this game shooting 40% from three and he's not going to do pretty much anything else offensively other than shoot threes. But um, you know, that's okay. Especially on a night like this where you really just, you know, can use anybody who can make a shot and hell, I mean the bucks this season, right? Like a a guy that can just make threes at a, at a reliable clip that's a, a very valuable skill set to have and he's not bashful. So, um, you know, a lot of young guys struggle to figure out like, how do they come in and in limited minutes get warm right away. Uh, but he's, he, he's been able to do that. Right. And that's, you know, kind of the, probably the biggest thing that, um, you know, allows guys like him to actually have a chance at sticking around a little while in the league is just, again, being able to do this without needing, you know, 30 minutes a night and 12 shots, 13 shots or whatever that they're used to getting in college that they'd get in the G league, et cetera. Cause you're just not going to get those opportunities playing for, for an NBA team. And AJ green. And you, I think you mentioned it on the last pod and I've said it, you know, in the preseason, you know, both of us were kind of like, eh, I don't know like what the point of this two way is. Um, he's definitely contributed more than I already thought he would. I still don't think that he's going to play in the postseason. but Hey, on a night like tonight, the thing that's impressive with him and, Marjan, to be clear, but AJ Green's just a better shooter. But uh, they're not shy. Like, they're just coming in at NBA level and just firing it up. 
uh, which, you know, is something. We got a comment here in the stream, which is fascinating. And you mentioned the. And by the way, he's not eligible. He's not eligible to play in the playoffs anyway, because they're G leaguers are once again, or two way guys are once again playoff ineligible. They may change that, but as they've done a couple times in recent years, but neither neither AJ nor Mamu are, are even playoff eligible at this point. No, no, but we do see, and I certainly get it a lot in the streams, like uh, just trade Grayson Allen and play AJ Green. Like there is a way that he could obviously do it, but I, I don't think I, that's probably not a way I would be going. But R.R. Smith in the stream, and, and I've said it before, Mamu last year, I know the Bucks didn't win a title, but he would prefer to be playing, no doubt about it. But you just get to sit on the bench in street clothes, watch the NBA playoffs. Uh, pretty damn sweet gig, this two-way stuff. Uh, R.R. Smith says, R.R. Smith 30 says, Javon scored more tonight, but I feel like he started chucking and it took the team out of our offense. So, yeah, honestly, on a night like tonight... What, what man, offense? You're right. So, on, tonight, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not always crazy about it, but on a night like yeah. this, I don't really care as much. And, you know, what did he have? Like 18 points on 16 shots. You know, again, not not, not a great off- efficient night in terms of offense, but, um, again, like... the. They have so little creation um, that I I don't I didn't I didn't like all those pull up threes and transition I, I didn't really mind them that much and obviously he made a number of them and that was that was kind of when they got out to that that double digit lead in kind of the you know early second quarter or whatever it was so um, I I don't know yeah th- these are the nights where I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm not gonna lose a lot of sleep over kind of parsing blame for stuff and obviously he wouldn't. He wouldn't be shooting that many shots if if the Bucks are closer to full strength. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, we see him do it from time to time when the you are closer to full strength as well. And I'm not, you know, thrilled about that shot without one pass, just pulling up for three. But at the same time, there's been other stretches where he's been super hesitant to shoot. So it's probably just finding that balance. You need him to shoot if he's going to be out on the floor. Like he has to be a guy that's going to be willing and wanting to shoot an open three. So I think there's a balance there. Uh, for Javon Carter and Gabe Vincent, by the way, is starting to etch himself into you know buck killer. Buck killer. Oh yeah, I couldn't believe that this was a career high. I'm just like, doesn't he always do this against the Bucks? Didn't he drop fifty against the Bucks last time they played? Yeah, I mean he knocks down those threes. He was five for eleven from three, uh, had twenty eight points in this game. And Jordan Wara. I mean, we already mentioned all the guys combined, but you know, he hasn't played much lately. Hasn't had too many great moments certainly in recent times, but. There was a stretch during the third quarter in this game where the Bucks were really trying to claw their way or just just hang on. They were just scrapping to hang on. That again, as we've discussed, they were basically only taking threes. And Jordan had some quick buckets in this uh, in the late in the third quarter, early in the fourth. That at least gave me some sort of faint hope that they were going to pull something off if Drew or Brook Lopez could uh, could do something in the fourth quarter. But it didn't happen. But Jordan Moore had sixteen points in twenty seven minutes, and I reckon the twenty seven minutes is. Uh, Close to to a season high, I might be thereabouts. Hey, what do you think of the officiating tonight, Frank? I really didn't think about the officiating at all. Is this is this a are you teaming me up for a bet online transition here or something like that? Is this a setup that I wasn't aware of? Well, I'm not surprised that you didn't have uh, too many complaints with the officiating because our friends at betonline.net, which is the number one source for all your betting and sports info need, they have the info of the fan bases that. Uh, on Twitter, are complaining the most about the officials. So the Bucks, six point oh seven percent. This is some advanced analytics. Six point oh seven percent of tweets 
uh, angry about the officials, directing it at the officials. The Warriors, number one fans for just being the big-time whiners, 11.76%. And, and the Chicago Bulls not far behind, and nobody's surprised about that. We see those, we see these Bucks and Bulls games, and, and you know that they're complaining about the officials. So betonline.net, just providing us the info we need because uh, they also have all the odds, lines, and everything in between, uh, along with analysis, news, stats, and uh, some interesting stuff like this uh, officiating uh, info here. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Where do you think the Heat are at overall, Frank? They're 23 and 20. Kyle Lowry looks like he's probably over the hill. He hasn't had a great season at this point in time. They've still got Bam and Jimmy as their, their two best players. Do you as you're looking ahead to the postseason and what could potentially happen, do you see them as any type of threat as currently constructed in the East? Um, I mean, I really thought coming into the year, I mean, the fact that they had literally no power forwards, right? They lose PJ Tucker and like coming into the season, the plan was just like, I guess Caleb Martin is our starting power forward with Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy obviously can play bigger. And I mean, it's pretty remarkable looking at the numbers for them this year. They're, I think, fifth in defense. They've been a really good defensive rebounding team. Like, they have not played, like, a team that is undersized, right? I mean, Bam's great, but he's not, like, a a big, you know, center. He, you know, blocks, like, 0.8 shots a game. He's he's really good defensively, but he's not, like, a typical, like, kind of Brooke Lopez-style defensive anchor. So, again, it's just Eric Spolstra just kind of smoke mirrors and, and everything else getting them to a really good place defensively. But the issue for them is like the Bucs, uh, you know, on the offense. And I think they're around the same spot as the Bucs in terms of um, their offensive struggles. And, you know, even on tonight, like tonight, where they obviously come away with the win, um, you know, not not a great offensive showing. Uh, although, in fairness, they were also missing a bunch of guys. They still had two all-stars and their two best players and Jimmy and Bam, so obviously – uh, that's better than, than what the Bucks could claim. But um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think their kind of talent level is just quite high enough to to be a, a legit contender. But I mean, we saw it last year. They, you know, finished with the first seed in the East. So I think they certainly have a run in them. And I've been a little surprised that they haven't been better. I mean, Hero's had a good year. Um, Jimmy is still capable of being Jimmy and you know, Bam Adebayo is having a really big scoring year. So you kind of put some of those things there and it's like, man, you think that they wouldn't like, they wouldn't have this big drop off offensively. But um, again, obviously they're relying a lot on some of these role players. And, you know, sometimes that, that just doesn't kind of pan out the way you want it. So I don't know. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, as good as Jimmy was in the playoffs last year, I don't know. I'm still a little skeptical that like Jimmy Butler is just going to be like the best player in a playoff series against you know the typical like east superstar types like against a Giannis or an Embiid or a Tatum or something like that um but I mean I guess you can't count them out right I mean do would would you if you're as a Bucks fan would I want to see the heat in the first round even having swept them a couple years ago not particularly you know especially if they're like a low seed and you have a chance to maybe get a different low seed they would not be the kind of team that I'd want to face as like a seven seed, you know, against a two or something like that. 
Yeah, unless the Bucks do something, yeah, you know, radical that we all want to see at the trade deadline, like become good again. I was going to say trade for Bryn Forbes, uh, <laughs> but anyway, a uh, couple of notes that I want to bring, and then you can say whatever you want to say before we wrap this thing up and head directly into the weekend. By the way, the next game against Miami, I know it's an afternoon game, but five o'clock in the morning, tip off on Sunday morning here in Melbourne. Now, I know our friends in Europe. You guys are up. That's You're watching games all through the night, but I'm not used to it, and I'm a little bit soft. So uh, I can complain about that. Two things. Tonight, broadcast goal. Lisa talking about a 500-something streak of sellouts in Miami, and Marcus goes, yeah, I notice there's lots of fans dressed as red and yellow seats. <laughs> and, and it was half empty, let's be honest. I know they always show up late, but this was a pretty small crowd. I mean, first off, they showed a couple of like Bucks fans, and I immediately was like, "Oh man!" Again, like the people showing up in Giannis jerseys. Who knows if this is their first game of the season, right? You show up on the second night of a back-to-back. It's kind of like, guys, you really should not have expected to see Giannis tonight. Um, so it it was definitely a quality of game that I think deserved um, a stereotypically bad small Miami Heat crowd. But uh, yeah, the sellout streak is is pretty funny. I mean that it, let's just say charitably they've been a late arriving crowd even during the LeBron years, and uh, I would say in recent years, um, you know. And again, I'm not I'm not saying like you know, Fiserv is the the best building in the world in terms of um, you know crowd intensity and things like that. But um, Miami pretty notorious for uh, for people not showing up for these supposed sellout games. Now, also, we buried the lead for this podcast. The number one story uh, in Bucksland right now, and I've seen plenty of people tweeting about it. The water? And... Bud's water? Yes. I was trying to be serious about it, but let's let's be real. And let me set the scene for anyone that doesn't know. Our great friend, Eric Name, was trying to ask Bud a question post-game in Atlanta last night. Uh, as Bud always does, if you watch the press conferences or you've been in there, he'll crack a bottle of water and just uh, wet the old whistle before he gives uh, an answer. He cracked it. He had a sip. And as soon as this uh, H2O, we think it was H2O, touched his tongue, he was disgusted. And not only was he disgusted at the taste of whatever it was he was drinking, he gave the bottle, I assume maybe it was Dan Smichek that was alongside him, Bucks PR, and said, get this bottle of water out of the vicinity of where I am because I don't even want to be near this bottle of water. What the hell was going on with this water? What could possibly have been the problem? Um, You know, I don't think you can actually see the logo in in it, but I think based on the color of the bottle and the top being green, I think everybody's assumption is that it's Dasani water. Um, And Dasani is just catching a lot of strays. Over, over all this. A lot of people saying like, yeah, Dasani's crap. Especially Nobody... with Bucks fans because people keep asking what's wrong with Chris and I say, that's a knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Did, did you, was this was this whole line of discussion purely so you could get that joke off? Or did, Not at all because I wasn't going to, no, but no, but I wasn't going to mention the company, but now you did. It just came okay. to my head. That's some comedic, um, comedic genius. Hey, thing. potential future sponsor, Dasani Water. We'll sing their praises if they that's become right. a sponsor, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, apparently I did see it. When, if I drink water, I just drink like filter water from our refrigerator. I don't drink like bottled water 
Um, so I had no idea that like Dasani was like had this yeah. like super negative yeah. <laughs> perception apparently. So it's been kind of funny just seeing all these people like ripping on this bottled water brand, which to me is like I just don't know this notice the difference between bottled water. Um, but yeah, and the other thing too was you know Bryce Christensen, a friend of the podcast, uh, who does the um, he, he does the the sign language inter- American sign language interpretation um, for the Bucks. Uh, I saw you know a, a version of the video where he's doing the sign language, and I was kind of like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how like Bryce would sign yeah. what Bud is saying. And then I was like, he doesn't need to. Everything everything you need to know about what Bud was thinking and feeling about drinking that water was conveyed perfectly by his face. So, you know, Bryce can add that to his lexicon. We we should have that added to American Sign Language. The I just drank some terrible Dasani water. Like that in sign language is just the face that Bud made um, after after that uh, that drink. So, <laughs> and it's funny watching it because like Eric is sort of like like doesn't know if he should how much time he needs to give Bud to recover from tasting that terrible water. Um, but uh, but anyway, now a, let me a, just, a moment of levity. Let me just say though, and I am disappointed in Eric. Like the. And maybe I'm I'm not as look Eric maybe is just better at his job and a little more serious than I am. I'm a little bit on the silly side of things, but the fact that he didn't ask what was wrong like like that was just the most just like, really like what's wrong with the water like it's just like the most obvious. I can't believe he didn't ask. Or like you okay? Yeah, like just anything to just the Bucks won. He's in a fine mood. It should yeah. be uh, so. Come on, Eric. That was disappointing. Hey, before we go, one more for you because it's in the stream and it's Eliza who we see in the stream every single night. Uh, we love it. Yeah, we did the trade stuff and uh, Eliza's mentioning Jordan Clarkson. And again, we spoke about him on this trade podcast we did last week. And I think he actually, you know, and I referenced, I said, well, the thing about him is if you're talking about a score, it's probably an upgrade on Grayson just in the explosiveness. I think he had 15 points in the fourth quarter against uh cleveland, cleveland a couple I, of I actually I, I watched the last like two minutes of this game he yeah. had a seven point possession he got a four point play in which karis lavert like got under him um on a three it was a really weird play he like got a rebound or something and took a step back so he's like going backwards and then shoots the three and then immediately his gets his momentum going back forwards and kicks out his leg to draw a landing spot foul on Karis LeVert, which, you know, kind of yeah. tough look for Karis LeVert. So he gets the four-point play, and then they keep the ball because it's a flagrant landing spot thing. And then he draws a, <laughs> he draws a three-point <laughs> foul on Karis LeVert on the same possession and makes all three free throws. So he scored seven points without the Cavs touching the ball. Totally lost. And then the Cavs missed and then he got the ball back and then he went down the lane and hit a runner. So he had nine points in two possessions, which that, that ain't, yeah, that doesn't happen very much. Um, I'm, I'm curious how many seven point possessions there have been in NBA history. I'm going to go ahead and say probably no one has, has topped that, that single number, but um, I, I did just look at his numbers. He's up to 36% on the season from three. Uh, so his number has come up a little bit. He's a 34%. Uh, career three-point shooter last year he was 32 percent takes almost eight a game um so yeah he is he is not shy um he's been between 53 and 55 percent uh on sorry 52 and 55 percent the last four years while he's been in utah 
uh, on two point shots. So, you know, he, he, he takes a fair number of two point shots and not that he's like getting the rim all the time, but, but is reasonably accurate. And, and this year he's gotten to the line a lot more, uh, almost for a game in previous years, he was right around two. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's having a very good season. 4.5 assists a game is up at about three turnovers a game as well. But, um, you know, he's, he's played very well. And I, I mean, I talked to, I was on Seth Partner's podcast a couple weeks back and, you know, we were kind of talking about this and he said, I mean, Seth made the point that like Clarkson's actually like defending and, att- and trying, you know, this year under Will Hardy. And so, um, you know, to whatever, to, what, to whatever extent you may sacrifice something defensively, um, he's actually been pretty good. And, you know, you look at the, the Don off ratings, um, they've been pretty solid as well the last couple of, last couple of years. So I don't know. I mean, the latest quote unquote Intel is Utah is not looking to trade him and they want to resign him in the off season. I don't know. I think they're, I've, I've heard speculation that the owner is loves him and whatever other stuff. So, you know, again, Jordan Clarkson, probably for multiple reasons, not a guy that I would expect the bucks to be able to be in a position to acquire. Um, but would he be an intriguing addition? Yeah, I think for sure, especially, um, <laughs> you know, for, for nights like this where the Bucks are, are seriously lacking in firepower. Uh, one other thing with Clarkson, as uh, Jacob points out, every time he gets fouled, he squares up to fight and he, <laughs> like this, he's ready to go. He's yet to throw a punch. Uh, but he squares up in comical fashion. So shout out to Jordan Clarkson for that. Uh, make sure you listen to the Game to Game NBA podcast as well. Recaps from right around the NBA from all the local experts. You can get Game to Game on your Locked On NBA feed. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. Uh, should we call it a weekend, Frank? You got nothing else you want to throw in the mix? No, I'm good. I feel like we've probably spent enough time talking in and around <laughs> one of the more random regular season games of the season. So, um, yeah, let's bury this one and, and not speak of, again, of it again. How about that? Sounds good. Frank, see you on the weekend. I'm sure we'll uh, at least be chatting during this uh, 5 a.m. tip-off uh, Melbourne time. Uh, it'll be up in the air who will be more sluggish, uh, the Bucks or me. Uh, we will find out. But I can't wait. I'll speak to you guys soon.